Amen. Can we give praise to the Lord together tonight? So good to be in God's house. And good to be among God's people. Amen. It's good to see all of you tonight. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? All right. So what I want you to do now is I want you to look at your handout and I want you to see if you have like a smiley face or a like a Sunday school sticker. See if you have a smiley face. Chad, you got a smiley face? Come up here. <laughs> I, here's what I said. I told the Lord, I said, Lord, if Chad Mitchell wins this tonight, I got something to tell him after church. And it's good. No, that's the truth. Yeah, that's what I told the Lord. I was standing up here. I said, if Chad wins this tonight, I've got something to tell him and it's good. So after church, I got something to tell you. And it's good. Chad, this is the book of Psalms. And... On the side of it is open, open page where you can write on there. And it's a beautiful book and we've written in it. And I'm glad you won tonight. Amen. The Lord is with you. The Lord has got some good things in store for you. Yes, He does. If you have your Bibles, would you go to the book of Psalms 18? We're in our second week of our summer series called The Sound of Psalms. And we really appreciate all the effort of our team compiling this information, getting it printed out. And I want to give a big shout out. Is Lauren still in here? Lauren, are you in here? Lauren, I want to give a big shout out to you. Thank you for the graphics and all of your effort in putting this together. I really do sincerely appreciate you and thank all of our team. It's great to have our son. And daughter with us tonight, Trey and Brooke. Happy to have you guys. They're they're in town for a few days, so um, if you don't see me around, you know where I'm at. I'm with Trey and Brooke. We're, We're just honored to have them. So where we're going to live tonight is in the book of Psalm 18, and we're going to dive right into it. So are you ready? All right. God bless you. You can be seated. How many know that it is absolutely impossible to live life without facing opposition? It is impossible to live life without facing some opposition. And... I don't know exactly how that you see me and Sister Janet, but I want to just tell you, me and Sister Janet face opposition just like all of you do. We're human just like you. And not all opposition is from people. Some opposition is just circumstances beyond our control. There, There is some opposition that our come against us because our weaknesses, our own individual weaknesses, can stand between us and the happiness and the success that we really want. Physical limitations can hinder us. Uh, Mental, mental and emotional foes can come against us and cause us guilt and loneliness and depression and fear and anxiety. What about spiritual forces, which are agents of Satan that shoot the fiery darts at us, that try to kill, steal, and to destroy and take from us? So, you know, every person, again, me and Sister Janet included, we all face spiritual battles. And the New Testament warns us over and over again that as believers, we are living on the battleground and not on the playground. 
You've heard it said before, but I'm going to say it again. This is a battleship, not a cruise ship. Can I get a witness? And our life as a battleground helps us to relate to David and even to Psalm 18. Because David's life was characterized by fighting. He was a man known as a man of war. He was a warrior. And so he not only fought humans, so to speak, but he also fought a lion. He fought bears. He fought King Saul's men. He, he fought his own internal struggles. If you read much about David, you find that he even fought his own family. His own family fought against him. Are you with me? And so David fought against his own sinful nature and desires. So David's life was just one battle after the other. So most of David's songs, we also know them as psalms, were written while he was facing an enemy. In Psalm 18, however, David, he speaks from a different perspective. And he's looking back at how God delivered him so amazingly, and gave him victory after victory over his enemies. So Psalm 18, I want you to know, is a song of celebration. Okay? It's a testimony of God's mighty power and God's faithfulness. So this is important. When David saw God's continuous faithfulness, it created in David a more bold and more confident stand against future enemies. In other words, David had success against his enemies. So then when he came up against new ones, he relied on his old successes and God's past faithfulness. And he said to himself, well, if God is going to help me through that, he's going to help me through this. And that's very important. It's very important that you get some small wins under your belt because it's going to remind you when the bigger enemy comes, well, if God did it for me once, He can do it for me again. And if He delivered me once, He can deliver me again. And so we've got scholars here, scholars now, they believe that David sang this song after his fighting days were over and near the end of his life. There's other scholars that believe it was sung during a time of rest after David's victory over Saul's supporters. So be that as it may, as a soldier in the army of the Lord, we should keep this psalm close to us and we're going to get in it. Why should we keep this psalm close to us? Because David in Psalm 18 is showing us how to gain victory over our enemies. Are you with me? Number one, verse number one, Psalm 18. David says, tell the Lord you love him. Tell, first of all, tell the Lord you love him. Now, if you know much about the psalm, you know also the psalm says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. This is right in alignment with what is said in that psalm. The first thing you do is you don't come to Jesus and say, my name is Jimmy. Give me, give me, give me. The first thing you do when you come to Jesus is you pour your love out on him. You pour your praise out on him. Amen. You pour out your thanksgiving. No matter how bad of a day you may have had today. Amen. Somebody had it worse than you. And you've got something to be thankful for. You walked in here with legs. You didn't have to walk with crutches or a wheelchair. Come on. You got eyes to see and ears to hear. Amen. We come into God's presence regardless of how we feel giving him thanks. And David is saying, first of all, before you do anything, you tell God how much you love him. Now, this word in the Hebrew, I'm not going to pronounce it for you, but this word is 
that, that David uses here is, is not a word that's used in the Old Testament a lot. The word that David uses for love here, it basically denotes a real compassion, a real tenderness. He's, he's denoting like a mother that is caressing her sucking child, an infant. Or he's, he's also denoting that it's like a father that has sympathy upon his children. In other words, David is using a word of great affection. And David is saying that if you want victory over your enemies, you need to go to your heavenly father and you need to tell him first and foremost, God, I want you to know that I love you. And that I love you so much, if I could see you in the flesh, I'd run to you and I would surge with emotion and I would put my arms around you and I would say, Lord, I love you. Thank you for everything you've done for me. I can never praise you enough. This is, I want to talk to us on a Wednesday night. I know that the sun saps the strength from us and you've worked hard and, and you're tired, but you know what? That's called the sacrifice of praise. And even on a Wednesday night, uh, we come in. Why do we sing? I could start teaching first. It wouldn't be a problem. I could get up here and teach for 40, 45 minutes. Why do we sing? Cause we bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. We want to first of all start out telling God, God, regardless of what our day brought us, we honor you and we give you praise. Amen. Can I get a witness? And so then David tells us in verse one, the Lord is your strength. The Lord is your strength. David knew that he wasn't fighting in his own power. But he was infused with a supernatural energy from God himself. I told you this before, just recently, I remember telling you, I'm going to tell you again. I have walked into church tired and I have been in the presence of the Lord and I have walked out refreshed. What was that? If you haven't experienced it, you you will. If you keep coming, there's going to be a time you're just, as they say, dog tired. And you walk into the, into the presence of the Lord, dog tired, but you leave refreshed. How did that happen? That was the supernatural strength of Almighty God. And David is reminding us in Psalm 18 that the Lord is your strength. And when you are tired physically or you're tired emotionally, you can go to the Lord and you can remind him, God, I need some strength. In other words, I, I need some energy that doesn't come from a caffeinated drink. I need, Lord, I need to drink from a spiritual source. I need supernatural energy to give me what I need for this day. See, David knew that he had endured, that he had persisted, and that he had prevailed because of the Lord. Because the Lord was his strength. And then in verse 2, it says, the Lord is our security. I thought this was very interesting as I studied. I had never realized this. But David had survived every fierce battle without being wounded. He was known as a man of war, but nowhere in scripture does it ever say that David got wounded. If he did, it was so minuscule that it wasn't even worth writing about. Now you think about fighting a bear, fighting a lion, fighting a nine foot Goliath, fighting against Saul's men, fighting against your own family, and never one time even getting wounded, I'm going to tell you that is the goodness and the security and the strength of Almighty God. Can I get a witness? See, here is some commanding words that David used to describe God's power. Are you with me? He said this. He said, the Lord is my strength. He says, the Lord is my rock. In other words, when all of ground is sifting sand on Christ, the solid rock, I stand. He is my rock. He is my fortress. He is my deliverer. And then he keeps going on with this commanding language. He says, he is my butler and my shield. 
What does that mean? It means that God had taken every blow that was intended for David. Then he said, he's my horn of salvation. What does that mean? A horn in the Old Testament was a symbol of power. It was a symbol of dominion. It was a symbol of anointing. Do you remember in the book of 1 Samuel where Samuel the prophet took the horn of oil and he poured it over David. In other words, David was saying, I, God, I just want you to know that I know you are my fortress. You are my shield. You're my butler. You're my rock. God, you are my deliverer. And I want some of you to memorize some of this language so that when you come to the house of the Lord, you can lift up your hand in praise and you can say, God, I want to thank you that you're my rock. God, I want to thank you that you're my fortress. God, I want to thank you, Lord, for taking the blows that were coming to me, but you were my shield and my butler. You say, why do you want us to memorize that? Because if you're not careful, you'll get in the doldrums of saying the same thing over and over. And if you're not careful, you will magnify your problems instead of magnifying the problem solver. But when you walk in on a Wednesday night and you start using words like, God is my rock. God, I thank you for being my stability. In a day where gas prices are going up, you stay the same. God, I want to thank you for being my stronghold. Hallelujah. What was a stronghold? A stronghold was an elevated fortress that made it almost inexpensive accessible for the enemy to get to. God, I want to thank you for putting me in a place that the enemy can't even get to me. I hear Psalm 91. He will shelter me in his pavilion. He will cover me with his feathers and under his wings shall I trust. God, I want to thank you that you're my hiding place. I want to thank you, Lord, that I can run to you in my time of trouble. Hallelujah. Does that make sense? Here's what I think David might be saying to us as I'm just trying to dissect this Psalm 18. I think that David might be saying to us, listen, the first command that God gave is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And I think what David is saying to us in this psalm is this, that we, brothers and sisters, need to boldly and unreservedly declare our love for God. When we walk through the day, we need to say, God, we love you. When we come into his house, we need to thank him for who he is. Because if you don't, life can get you to magnify your problems. Does that make sense? And he says, here's what David is saying in Psalm 18. If you want to defeat every enemy, it starts with magnifying God. And reminding yourself that God's got you. Can I get a witness? So, look at verse 3. God will save you from your enemies. In other words, God delivered David from every threatening situation he faced. Time and time again, the Lord proved himself trustworthy. Now in verses 4 and 5 in your handout, there's some graphic images to describe the severity of the danger in which he faced. You, you, you see in the language here in Psalm 18, I believe it is verse 5, sorrows, the word sorrows. What that means is the sorrows of Sheol, which is that's basically a word for uh, hell, really, the the the. The grave, the, the, the afterlife, the darkness. So what David is saying is, he's saying that the sorrows of the darkness was surrounding me. So in other words, he's giving you a very graphic image. He's saying this, that the cords or the ropes had tightly wrapped around me and they were trying to pull me in to the grave. Is what he's saying. 
Then he goes on to say that a band of ungodly men swept up on him like a mighty raging flooding river and their swiftness and their power of which he found them to be up on him paralyzed him with fear. And then he keeps going. He says, I was like a helpless animal caught in a noose and I had been trapped in a deadly situation without the possibility of escape. Now, this is David speaking to us now. And, and, and here's, here, here's what you do. You say, Pastor, I feel like I'm in that situation. What I do? David speaks to us and he tells us, in my distress, look at verse 6, in my distress, <laughs> I called unto the Lord and I cried out to my God and he heard my voice from his temple and my cry came to him even to his ear. Here's, I think, what David would say to us right now is that God will hear your cry and that God will move heaven and earth to help us. Notice David's passionate plea to reach the very dwelling place of God. Here's a very comforting thought I want to comfort you with. David is basically saying this, that our prayers absolutely ascend into the throne room of God. And he hears our petitions. I want you to look at all the vivid descriptions and the poetic expressions that David uses to convey the fact that God will use every available resource to help him watch over his sons and his daughters. Now, I think if I'm not mistaken, this language starts in verse 7 and it goes all the way to 18. But for the sake of time, I'm going to let you read that. I'm going to just highlight it. So what is happening here is that David cried out to God in his distress. The Lord heard him. The Lord, the Bible says that God got very angry. It's in verse 7, the end of it. Because of he was angry. What did he do because God was angry? It goes on to tell you that God's rage was like a mighty earthquake. He shook the earth. Then it says his rage was like a volcanic eruption. Then it goes on to say that his rage was like a violent storm. Then it goes on to tell you that he soared through the sky on the back of a powerful angel born on the wings of the wind. Then it goes on to continue to tell you that the Lord cast down crippling hailstones and flaming fireballs upon David's enemies. Lightning bolts were launched from his mighty bow and it sent David's enemies scrambling in every direction. That's powerful. Now, if David was up here tonight, and I would love for David to be up here tonight instead of me. But if David was up here tonight, don't quote me on this, but I think what he would want us to know is this. In times of distress, look at verse 16. God will reach down and take hold of us. Isn't that what it says? Verse 16 says, He reached, He sent from above, He took me and drew me out of many waters. So the graphic imagery continues as David describes he was drowning in the deep rushing waters. Many waters in this text represent many enemies is what it means or troops who were surrounding him and trying to push him down to his death. So what David wants you to do is he wants you to see him as he's in this tumultuous water and his enemies are on top of him and they're pushing his head down and they're literally trying to drown him is the image that he wants you to get that he's literally drowning from his enemies and the current is so strong and he is weakening by the moment and suddenly get this y'all there is no way out of this picture here's what he's wanting you to see 
There's no way out. His enemies are on top of him. They're trying to drown him. And suddenly, out from the clouds come two hands. This this is in your Bible. Come here right quick, brother. Um, Carlton, help me. I'm not God. But they, I want you to get the image. They carry him. They lift lifts David up out of the water. And he carries him. And in your Bible it says he set him down in a large safe place. Amen. Where he had freedom. Here's what I want you to get. First of all, God, I love you. There ain't nobody like you. You may be gargling water as you're saying it, but you're still saying it. And then you say, God, I need you. I can't do this without you. In fact, there's no way of escape. I can't, I I don't have a way of escape. Now, Lord, you're going to have to show yourself strong and mighty. And David said, when I had no way out, literally two arms reached out from heaven and picked me up out of my dilemma and set me in a safe place. That makes sense. Okay, now here's something really good. Why would the Lord take such extreme measures to rescue one person. Here's the question. I'm going to say it again. Why would the Lord let an earthquake, a violent storm, hell come out of heaven? All of this that we just read from 7 to 19. Why would God allow all of that to save one person? And David answers the question. Look at it in Psalm 18. And 19, somebody just said it, I heard it. He delivered me because he delighted in me. See, sweet people, I was raised like most of you were. And I was raised under the fear of God and the anger of God. I wasn't raised under the love of God. But what I want to try to do, just through preaching to you, time and time again, I'm hoping that in time, your, your, your mind can start shifting to understand that God is not a God of anger. He's not a God of wrath. He's not wanting to condemn you. He's not wanting for, you know, to just take a lightning bolt and strike you. I want to present to you a God that delights in you so much that He's willing to move heaven and earth so He can get to you and save you because He delights in you. I can tell it's hard to get, but I'm going to just keep bringing it. Okay? Why, Why would God go through all of that? Because He wanted to show how much He loves one individual. How much God loves you. And this verse 19 brings a very comforting truth. Here it is. You ready? God delights in us. I'm going to say it again. God delights in us. God cares about us. As an individual... God says you are vitally important to Him. And I know there are many, even in this room tonight, you feel kind of like David. Your head is going under. You feel like you're bobbling. You feel like that just, you know, the enemies are just pushing you down. You're drowning because of trials or maybe just so much, just a, Overwhelming temptation to sin, depression, discouragement, loneliness, abandonment, abuse, financial problems. And the list could go on and on and on. But here's what God promises. He promises that He will never spare us from deep waters or problems in life. 
I'm going to say that again. God does not promise us that he's going to spare us from deep waters or problems in life. But he does promise that we'll never be alone in the deep waters and that we'll never drown in the sea of trouble and that he will never leave us nor forsake us. And when God's will has been accomplished and his purpose has been accomplished for allowing whatever he has allowed, then he will lift us up and deliver us. But until he will supply us with the grace that we need to endure it. So until you are healed, you thank him for his healing and know that God's going to give me grace until I get it. Until you get out of this trial, you thank Him because He is perfecting you. And you thank Him for the grace as you're going through it. He didn't say you're not going to ever go through something. He just says when I work my purpose out, when you pass the test, I want you to know until then my grace is sufficient for you. Can I get a witness? Now, I want you, I, I want you to look at the, I think it's in your notes, some, I want to give you some scriptures here tonight because it's very important to me. This is very important. I want to do my best to come alongside you and help to, to shift the mindset from a fear mindset to a love mindset. Because it's all about my motive in serving God. If my, own, if my only motive in serving God is I just want fire insurance. Then that's not deep enough to hold me. But when my motive is because I truly love Him. Then brothers and sisters, that is a totally different motive altogether. For serving God. Does that make sense? Okay. And so I want you to know that God loves you deeply. Sister Janet, as much as of a Christian you are, I've never, I don't know that I've ever met a greater Christian. I want you to know this, that if you left the church tonight, which I pray to God that never happens, God loves you so much that He is willing to leave the 99 and come after the one lost sheep. That's how much God loves you. That's how much He loves you. Not just your pastor. That's how much God loves you. Do you know that God knows your voice? The Bible says my sheep know my voice. But do you know He knows your voice? The shepherd knows your voice? Listen, you, you say, how do you know that? If He knows every hair on your head and every one of them are numbered, don't you think He knows your name and knows your voice and knows where you are? And if He sees you astray, He'll leave the 99 and He'll go and He'll show this is how much I care for you. Now, I want you to see some scriptures that shows you God cares deeply for you. 1 Corinthians 10 there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Do y'all see that? And what? Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. That's how much He loves you. Look at First Peter. This is in your notes. First Peter 5. Casting all of your cares upon Him. Why? Because He cares for you. Here is Deuteronomy 31. You see it? In your notes. Be strong and of good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, it is He that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. See, when you're feeling alone, you need to go back to this little handout and you need to quote this over yourself. 
God's word says he will not leave me. He will not forsake me. God's word says he's singing over me. God's word says he'll lift down from heaven to lift me up out of my dilemma and put me in a safe place. Look, look at Psalm 32. For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters, they shall not come nigh unto him. Then look at, I believe it is Isaiah 43, last one. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. And when thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to take this little handout and I want you to keep it somewhere close because you may not know that verse, but you can bring that handout and it's right there. You got it? Now, can I keep going for a few more minutes? Okay, look at verse 20. The Lord, look at verse 20. The Lord reward me. Here's another thing that I want you to know about God. The Lord will reward you. Now, David, David appealed to God for deliverance on the basis. Now, this is very important on the basis of his covenant relationship with him. This is very important. I need after I studying this, I said, man, I really need to start preaching on covenant more because what we, we see, we see marriage and we see walking with God as a contract. It's not a contract. It's a covenant. And I need to really take some time to explain to you the power of a covenant. A covenant is way deeper than a contract ever thought about being. Come on. God is in covenant. And here's what David was saying. Because I'm in covenant with God, God is going to watch over me and He's going to reward me. Now, some people, if you really study the Bible much, some people kind of stumble at uh, verses, I think it is 20 through 24, because David starts talking about himself. And, well, look at verse 20. The Lord reward me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanliness of my hands. He has recompensed me, for I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. And he goes on and he's talking about himself. And so some people don't understand this passage because David, like all human beings, his hands wasn't always totally clean. Right? Because the scripture records very plainly that he committed adultery with Bathsheba and he had Uriah killed. So people are like, how can David say that when he did all of these things? Well, here's a little bit of understanding. Uh, it, it, it might be that David penned this before his great sin with Bathsheba. That's one thought. The other thought is, is that his victories, what he's talking about is that his victories over his enemies was God's reward for his faithfulness to God's law. That's what he's referring to. So either way, did that just make sense? Okay, so either way, David placed himself in the way of victory by living righteously and by living according to God's law. Here, if David was here tonight, I think what he would say is this, that I was under the old covenant and because I obeyed the old covenant and I walked according to God's commands, then God rewarded me. I think what David would say to us tonight, if you walk according to the new covenant and you walk in alignment to God's word, you are positioning yourself to be favored and to be blessed by God. Now, does that mean we all have cloud nine days and never face anything bad? No, because we live in a broken world. But David is saying, because I was in covenant with God, God bless me. Here, here's what I'm telling us. That when we walk in covenant with God's word, God is bound by his word. And when I come to him and I say, God, Lord, you bless David because not because he was a perfect man, because he wasn't. But because when he messed up, he confessed his sin and he got back in alignment to the covenant. 
and you blessed him. Now, God, if you will bless David, then that means under this new covenant, if I am walking according to this word, I am putting myself in a position to be blessed, to be favored, and to walk according to God's blessings upon my life. Does that make sense? Okay. Mm. Man, I, I gotta, I gotta hurry. So, look, here's, I'm gonna skip over some verses. Just drop down to verse 39. Okay? Drop down to verse 39. I'm passing over some things, but look at what it says. For you have armed me with strength for the battle. Skipping over a whole lot. But notice this in, in, in this passage, verse 39. I think here's what David would say to us. That just as I was armed with physical weapons in my old covenant, you were armed with spiritual weapons in your new covenant. I think what David would tell me is this, is that your salvation has been bought it's been purchased. It's been paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ. And that the Lord is your shield. He is your butler. He is going to protect you throughout your life and eternity. And every satanic strike against you is going to be absorbed by Jesus Christ. I think David would tell us this, that you cannot be destroyed and you will never perish because when you take your last breath of natural air, you're going to take your first breath of celestial air. So not even death can destroy you. Now look at verse 35. It says you are supported by God's strong right hand. What does that mean? His right hand means... His source of power. Okay? It's Jesus Christ Himself. In other words, who's right beside you? Jesus Christ Himself. He said, I'll never leave you. I will never forsake you. And so your support and your strength is your life in Christ. Because Christ is the one who withstood Satan in the wilderness. Christ is the one who crushed Him at Calvary. Christ is the one who conquered death, hell, and the grave. Christ is the one who rose three days later. And Christ is in you. Does that just make sense? Here's what Jude 1 and 24 says. He is able to keep you from falling. God's power is able to keep you from falling. Now, now as we go on here, we're able... To defeat our enemies in the strength of the Lord and in the power of His might. That's in verses 37 through 42. So, let's wrap this up. To my dear brothers and sisters, we don't have to retreat. I think David would tell us, we don't have to retreat from the devil. We don't have to retreat from our flesh. We don't have to retreat from our enemies. Why? Because the Lord is at our right hand. His power is with us. He will move heaven and earth to deliver us. And so we don't have to turn around and run away from our enemies. Instead, we can just continue to fight and advance in, in our battles until we are transported back into God's holy place where we'll live forever and ever. And then we're going to come back and rule and reign with Christ. Psalm 18, you need to keep it right by your side. With our musicians, come, and first thing you got to do when you come into the presence of the Lord is tell God how much you love Him. And then you got to remind yourself that He's your security, He's your strength, He's your fortress, your rock, your shield, your butler, your strong tower, your stronghold. Here's what I would encourage you to do. I would encourage you to get Psalm 18 and personalize it. Pray it. What, what do you mean by that, Pastor? Here's what I mean. Let's look at, look at verse 28. 
for you will light my lamp. You know what? You know what? If I put that in today's terminology, he's going to fill me with the oil of the Holy Spirit. He's going to light my lamp. He's going to fill me with the oil of the Holy Spirit. And, and the Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. Lord, I, I, I don't know what to do today. But you go before me. You prepare the way. You put me, God, at the right place at the right time. For by you, this is verse 29, I can run against a troop. By my God, I can leap over a wall. What does that mean? Any insurmountable odds. Can you imagine? Y'all check this out and we'll be done. Can you imagine? What if you had a thousand men coming towards you, literally? And you said, okay, God, shield me. Give me protection because there's no way I can get through this. And God just shields you. And it's like they don't even see you. And then the devil thinks, oh, he got through the truth, but he ain't going to get over this wall. This is a 15 foot wall. And then you're like, God, I need your help. And God gives you supernatural strength and you look like somebody on TV. Maybe the bonnet man. Y'all remember that? And those arms from heaven just come and lift you up underneath your arms and just set you right over that wall. And you're like, oh my God, I could have never done that on my own. But he brought me through. This is how you get victory over your enemies. Would you stand with me? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. The Lord is good, isn't He? Do you have a need in your life tonight? I don't know what it may be, but if you just... Maybe you're just down tonight. You're just down. You don't even know why. Something's, something's come against you. Whatever it may be. Real quick, I just want you to step out from where you are and I want you to come up around this front. And I want us to begin to practice what we preach tonight. And no matter how we may feel, down, low, discouraged, things not going our way, I want us all now to just slip out from where we are just a few minutes after eight. And I want us to begin to practice right now. I just want us to slip our hands up and I just want us to tell the Lord, God, thank you for being my fortress. God, thank you for being my strong tower. God, thank you for being my shield and my butler. Thank you for being my stronghold and my strength, God. I'm going to see the victory. I'm going to see the victory for the battle belongs to you, Lord. Come on, this is how you defeat your enemies through praise.
receive God's word tonight. I'm going to keep coming to you and trying to help you learn to feed yourself because I hope we're always able to meet until the rapture, but I don't know if that's going to happen. So I want to teach you how to feed yourself. Here's what I do. I, I strive now listen to me, I don't do this every day, but I strive every day to try to get in the presence of the Lord. Because in His presence, there's fullness of joy. And in His presence is peace. Now sometimes, literally, um, I, I can just get up and, and start into prayer and I just start weeping in the presence of God. Comes. Sometimes it's 30 minutes, sometimes it's at the end. Sometimes I don't really ever feel the presence of God, but I know He's there. And I know I've been faithful to come to his, to his throne and pray, right? But as we get into this end time hour, you better be careful what you watch. You better be careful what you listen to. You better be careful who you're hanging around. You better be careful because all that stuff can drag you down. I don't hardly watch any news. And I'm not against anybody who does. You can watch it 24-7 and go to heaven, I guess. I'm not worried. But what I'm saying is, I, I just, I don't watch a lot of news. I'm not on any, I'm not on any social media. And you can be on all you want. What I'm just telling you for me. I don't have, a, I, I just don't have a lot of time for negativity. I'm not putting my head in the sand. I know what gas prices are. I know what's going on in Ukraine. I know what's kind of going on in our world. But that's not what I'm going to focus on. I'm going to get into the presence of God so I can have a peace. Because I'm going to tell you something. If I got my eyes on what's going on in this world, it could cause you a lot of anxiety. But if you get in the presence of the Lord, in His presence, there's fullness of joy. <laughs> Y'all, I don't even know how to describe it to you other than to tell you it's supernatural. But when you get in His presence, there's a peace that comes upon you. And you can walk through the day knowing, I just know God's with me. I'm just telling you how it works. I ain't even told Janet this. But I, 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 yesterday, I pulled up to the gas station and there were two people I needed to see. They don't even live here. Right there. You say, is that coincidence? I don't think so, because every day I pray God put me at the right place at the right time. And there they were when I pulled up to the gas station. Why? Because the Lord is ordering my steps. Am I super holy, super spiritual? Mm -mm, I'm not. Ask Janet. She'll tell you. I'm not. But I do try to make it a practice to be in the presence of God. Are you with me? Okay. Take Psalm 18. This is how you can overcome your enemies. God is for you. Speak what you want, not what you don't want. I had a guy, he, he did something and he said, Oh, that's just my luck. I don't know him well enough to tell him, Quit talking like that, sir. If you could speak in that, that's what's going to keep coming to you. I don't speak, oh, that's just my luck. I don't, I don't ever say that. I say I'm blessed coming in and I'm blessed going out. The favor of God is upon me. He loves me. He's for me. Did I always believe that? No. But I've kept saying it long enough that it got from my head to my heart. I love you. I love you. And I want only God's best for you. 
And I will tell you, if you will get still and get this word into your heart, it will transform your life. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this Psalm 18. It speaks to us today. It's one of the antidotes to help us to overcome the enemies in our life. Help us to take it. Keep it close. Pray it. Get it into our heart. Get it into our spirit. So that we can live this abundant life. This overcoming life. Not the roller coaster life. Not the, not the surviving life. Not the barely making it life. But thriving in Christ. Even in a dark world as we live as exiles, Lord, now in, in America where Christians are becoming more and more hated. Help us not to focus on what our eyes see. Help us not to focus on just the here and now. But help us to get an eternal view in the name of the Lord. Keep all of us. Give us all a good night's rest. Bring us back, Lord, for Father's Day. And may we have a wonderful move of Your Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody say amen. amen. Now if you'd be so kind, turn around and give some love away. A smile, a handshake, a kind word. Thank all of you. Love you. Love you. Love you.